I have a question. I, Todd might not want me to go I, after no, this. I, I really don't want him to come to that. <laughs> yes. <I'm saying>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I've worked really hard to get all those people out of my shirt. <laughs> I don't want any of uh, Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bros, Babbles, and Beer. It's Jeff. It's episode 188. Zach, how's it going? Great. Wow. Uh, right <laughs> to the point. Andy? Greater. Scotty? Greatest. I'm doing fantastic. Nobody asked. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. That was the most fastest of all the intros. Yeah, the one word, we weren't prepared. It Great. left us with too much room. Swell. Good. Fantastic. All right, everybody. Uh, I guess let's just start it off with the uh, basics here. Zach, Crater, what are you drinking? Uh, it's... A classic Alpine beer gets mentioned a lot because we have it a lot and we drink it a lot and it's delicious. And this one is the Nelson, Nelson IPA. That's that slight haze to it. Oh, yeah. But, mm. you know, hazy IPAs aren't my favorite, but uh, this has enough flavor, enough bite to it to satisfy my thirst for an IPA. You should work for an alcohol review company because you just filled in all the gaps. They need more page there. So that's good. Andy. Uh, Andy's dry. I am. I'm dry. I'm dry this week. I'm trying to have no no booze this week. So uh, sparkling grapefruit water. Yeah, totally fruity. Mm. Uh, Scott? Got the beechwood, citraholic. Yep. You brought those. Those are nice. I did have a sip. Uh, I also was going dry until I smelt the citraholic. Um, <laughs> and we have a, uh, a special, special guest because... Uh, it is finished. Mm. We have the great Todd Rodarmel, former pastor, fresh one day, former pastor of Mountain View Church here. And uh, just real quick, Todd, what are you drinking? I am drinking that Citraholic as well. And how is it? It is Citralicious. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well done. It is Citralicious. Uh, and welcome back. And do we get Scott? Did Scott talk? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank Sorry. you. Thank you. I love how I you guys don't hear each Thank other. you. Thank you for checking and not listening. I want to make. Well, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. But I'm yeah. doing two things at once, and I suck at that. Ask Kalisa. <laughs> um, but I did. Todd Radarmal, welcome back. Thank you. You could, you were on episode 20, which was years. Oh my gosh! And years ago, that must have been a long time ago. And then that was that at your place. It was. Oh my goodness! And a friend of the show. John Chapman happened to be hanging out, so he he got a mic for a little bit. Uh, shout out, John. Sounds like a mistake. <laughs> um, and then also 132, episode 132. Okay, that's To one promote really the Todd Rod God Pod, and that was one of oh, yeah. Andy McCraw's earliest forays before you were an official bro. Wow, that was more than 50 episodes ago. Yeah, that's pretty good, but... I do have a question. I know Jeff's got you got copious amounts I'm of notes, and loaded. which is a rarity. But off the top, I do have a couple things Todd needs to answer for. So, uh, oh, nice. We're rolling the dice uh, since Get we didn't ready. sound check this, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, it yeah, looks like there. it's happening. Todd, what did you yeah. shoot today in golf? Did you hey, keep score? A lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> that, sounds like fun. That Why was there did go. Uh, God make Satan if He knew that Satan was gonna like reject Him and try to be better than Him? Ooh, that is such a good question. I don't really have a perfect answer for you. Um, 
But as best I can figure, you know how every movie and every story that's really exciting has a bad guy? And then the good guy always beats the bad guy in the end? I think that's how it works. And I think God needed a bad guy so he could kick his butt. Now, do you have any amendments to that answer? That was my daughter, Aubrey, and who is a freshman in high school now, which shows the, t- the passage wow. of time. That was a long time and ago. she had COVID all the way back then. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Patient zero. I could hear it in the background. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could do much better than that. I, I, I've actually been watching old uh, sermons lately because I was you know, trying to plan for Easter and Good Friday. So I'm like, man, I want to find the greatest hits and go back and see some old stuff. And I'm mm. like, every time I do, I'm like, damn, I was good back then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could redo that. That was rookie good. of the year 20 years ago. Uh, anything else? That I, I do have one more and Let's, this is, this is the doozy. I love that you pulled these up. Yeah, I should. I didn't have time to do actual sound bites, So forgive um, we'll slide it up and stand by. Here it comes. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So here it is. He is taking a long time because he is waiting for people to come to repentance because he is so patient and does not want to bring all of the wrath that Scott has stored up for him to bring. <laughs> Did you say God or Scott? <laughs> Sometimes I get confused. <laughs> Whoa. Scott is our resident wrath expert. <laughs> this week in wrath news, Scott Holbert. <laughs> this is just marketing to get Scott to come to Mountain View. I have a question. I, Todd might not want me to go I, after no, this. I, I really don't want him to come to Mountain View. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I've worked really hard to get all those people out of my shirt. <laughs> I don't want uh, okay. So, so first of all, next Sunday, now that Todd's gone, <laughs> is will, it safe for Scott? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. That's, that's up to you guys now. I don't have any control over that, that anymore. That's fantastic. I will not be on the pastoral selection committee or uh, choosing who gets to come. <laughs> Oh man, that was great. Good times, good memories, Todd. We've been friends for a while, and let's let's get into this. And unless you guys had anything to say regarding that, we can all laugh about that. Yeah, that's just to be laughed about. The gates are open, Scott. We've joked about that for ever since then. Yeah, well, comes up fairly often. Yeah, Scott, the the gates are always open, and my heart is always open to you. Oh, thank you. But you can't visit me in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> but my house is and property is closed off. Well, I was thinking about moving to the greater Nashville area. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Until I get there. <laughs> okay. So Todd, I know you've been you've been on the podcast twice before, but um you have a I mean, we're we're at the end of a twenty year run as the pastor at Mountain View Church, um, would you give us, give listeners a, just a, that pre-Mountain View, kind of that you have a story as, you know, as a pastor, you know, trying to figure things out before Mountain View, and then maybe run right into the Mountain View story. Would you do that? Wow. We're going way back. Yeah. <laughs> and make it brief. All yeah. Right. <clears throat> well, the short version is, yeah, I was... I was a youth pastor for about 10 years and always kind of grew up in youth ministry and loved that and then kind of fell into doing ministry stuff because went to school thinking I was going to be a chiropractor, but I wasn't any good at science. I was much better at 
I don't think there's much science talking. in chiropractic. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. You had to take those classes, but I, uh, I ended up taking lots of Bible classes and things and then ended up being a, in, in ministry. Loved doing youth ministry for a long time, but then planted a church before Mountain View that was trying to reach people that weren't going to church. It was in a bar at Sloppy Joe's Bar in the Irvine Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a cool thing at the time. A little sticky in the morning before church. We had to like clean up the beer and <laughs> clean the sin up. All kinds of stuff. It was on the, I can't even, uh, there was crazy Ooh, stuff gross. in that bar uh, in the morning. But, but it was fun while it lasted. But um, in the middle of planting a church, went through a, a theological shift, partly because my mom had just died of cancer after God told her he was going to heal her. And uh, yeah, it just kind of shook up my faith about what hearing from God looks like, what God answering prayer looks like. And so in the middle of that, I did what any, you know, normal person would do. And I went and planted a church. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) so, um, yeah, planted church in the middle of faith crisis. I ended up looking for certainty where I can find it. And, uh, the reformed people were very certain. And, um, so I really gravitated toward that camp and um, kind of re-learned my faith in the process of being a young pastor of a young church in my late 20s. And uh, it was it was a wild ride because uh, as my faith was shifting and changing, people had signed up for one kind of church and now they were in a different kind of church. And I was getting more and more certain about what I believe, but also um, there's a certain attitude that goes with a lot of that was not very helpful to church planting. And I was kind of, I don't think I was ever really a jerk, but I had a lot of jerky people in my church. <laughs> yeah. And you had the, I mean, you felt like you had the answers. I had the answers. Yeah. Well, because, you know, As that's most reformed people. They have good answers to questions. They I mean, have a whole yeah. book of them. I mean, the, the, the catechisms are literally questions and answers to everything that everybody asks. And you, you pretty much can just go by the book and memorize it. And it works. It works as long as you stay in the system and you don't think outside of it, it works. And then, uh, yeah, so it worked for me for a while. But then, uh, yeah, then it kind of all kind of came crashing Fizzled. down. Yeah, for uh, for me. Okay. And the church. <laughs> the church died. Now, do you do you feel that that was, that the church... God ordained church, that, right? The church was tied to you, and you were Probably. tied to the church when you when you're like, "This isn't working." Then that was the end of the church. No, no, it, it was more like, um, man, I had a team of people, I had a board, I had some people that were on board and trying to make it work, and uh, but it had just dwindled down to a small enough number that just didn't have the the energy or the money to keep it going, right. and so we just called it. And it was weird calling a church and basically, I mean, basically deciding when to pull the plug because I was simultaneously going through the same situation with my grandmother because she had heart failure and was on Mm -hmm. machines. And we had to literally the same week decide to pull the plug on her and on the church. And it was just this weird parallel experience. And, um, yeah, it was, it was hard. And, uh, cause it was my baby. I'd, put my heart and soul into it. And I love the people. And what was the name of that church? Mercy. Okay. Mercy covenant church. And it was about, it was part of the same denomination as mountain view. And right before we closed it, the pastor of mountain view had told us like six months before, he's like, why don't you just come join us and we'll partner up. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. cultures are too different. It's never going to work. 
And then, you know, a couple months later he resigns. And then a couple months after I resign, Mountain View asked me to come and preach for a few weeks while they figure out what they're going to do. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe I could have a new career as Reverend Kevorkian. I can keep putting churches out of their misery. You know? <laughs> I'll lay you gently down into your grave and walk away. Oh, yeah. See, this guy, you have a mentor. <laughs> yeah. This is where this is where the so the so Todd, your humor is where I get caught up in a good way. If when we're when we're now going to be searching for another pastor. I'm like, I just want to be like, could you tell like a Bible joke? Just tell a joke and be like, nope, that was a bad joke. You're, you're not out. You're Who's the man with the stretchiest skin in the Bible? I know the answer to this one, but I won't ruin it. Wow. Abraham tied his ass to a tree and walked 12 miles. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible visual. That's disgusting. Junior hires love that one. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, you just said ass. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so you're so you're it's at Mountain biblical. View. You're you're speaking. That you've taken the invitation, and now time is going on, and now you get you get asked to to be the permanent pastor. Yeah. View. Well, all that time I was in the middle of um, kind of deconstructing my faith while I'm moving to this new mm-hmm. church because the whole kind of reform thing was not. I mean, it basically, it, the way it went down, <laughs> the 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 fun part of the story was I was, meanwhile, I was still pursuing ordination in the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is our denomination, but I was really struggling with it because the covenant is much more of a centered set kind of group where it's it's wide enough that it has a lot of people that disagree about a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And it was much more liberal than I was on some issues, especially like, you know, one of the key things is like women in leadership. And I was kind of like, thought like what John Piper and those guys with the center for biblical manhood and womanhood thought at the time. And I was like, I don't, I just, I, I don't know. I don't believe in it. I love, you know, women. I think they're great, but I think the Bible is pretty clear. And I felt like I don't know how to deal with that. And so I'm, I'm in some, I'm in like the orientation process and the ordination process with the denomination. And at the same time, I'm, uh, I, I'm, in seminary, I'd gone back to seminary at Westminster Seminary in San Diego or Escondido. And uh, it's kind of the reformed of the reformed. C- can you school. just, for reformed, you mean Calvinistic? Is that, that's. Yeah, the, Cal- Calvinistic, but like Calvinists, but they would, if you're a Baptist, they don't really count you as part of their group because it's like they're really reformed. Like as far as like they go back to the Westminster Confession or the the canons of Dort and kind of all the original documents. It's like, if you're not like buying the whole thing, you're kind of like, they don't even consider you reformed. They used to call me like the, the evangelical because I was part of the evangelical group. One of those. <laughs> you one of those. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, he wants others to become Christians. <laughs> so, so when I, when I was at, when I was at the seminary or when I was at uh, North park seminary, it, which is in Chicago, that's our denominational school. We were, riding the train into, into town at night, listening to the blues. We were talking, having all these debates with men and women about all of these big issues. And but you weren't learning from any of the women, right? So oh, I was, sure. I was being careful not to learn from the women. Actually, okay. I was learning a lot from them. But at the same time, I was you Rejecting know, going to school. I was going to school at <laughs> Westminster. And what had happened about that time, the Passion of the Christ came out. And uh Somebody had written, well, Rick Warren had done, uh, uh, had hosted um, 
Mel Gibson at Saddleback Church, and I went to this screening that they had for pastors where they showed us a movie before it came out. And when the movie came out, this this pastor from, I don't know, from Anaheim uh, had had written this, I don't know, we had this thing called the listserv. It was like an early version of a oh, blog yeah. or a, I don't know, something. Message board. Yeah, mm-hmm. a message board and, and at the school. And this guy had posted that there. And it was basically all about how Christians should boycott this movie. And he can't believe that Rick Warren would have a Catholic in his church. And it's just, you know, ridiculous that they're making graven images of God and and I just was like, okay, I can't just say nothing because this guy was not at the screening. He doesn't know anything. And so he's just, he's talking crap with, on other people that he doesn't know. And so I wrote a response to his thing and just said, you know, basically, I don't think it's a violation of the first commandment. And I don't, and I, uh, but what I do think is that his thing is a violation of the, what is it like the ninth commandment or eighth commandment? Don't bear false witness against your neighbor <laughs> and kind of called him out. And it started this controversy in the school was just erupted into like, man, kind of like this really big deal. And it was all happening while I was in Chicago at this away on, on winter break. And it ended with the president of the seminary um, saying, coming down and, and like basically agreeing with the other guy and, you know, no say, more internet. I should That's shut up. It. We're not having internet anymore at the school. Yeah. <laughs> we'll fix this problem. And this is before Twitter. Yeah, this I is know. before all that. This is before all that. It was a good primer to get get you yeah. uh, ready to go for Ugh, the, all great. of online interactions these days. But what was crazy about it was that professors at the school came up to me privately and said, "God, I agree with you, but you can't tell anybody." because I'd lose my job. That's my favorite thing ever. And it was the it same time so that much. Pete Enns lost his job at Westminster East because mm. he had some ideas about, you know, Adam that didn't agree with the rest of the seminary. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a, a an oppressive environment where people can't think and speak freely mm. for fear of censorship or losing their job. And that was when I decided I'm quitting that team and I'm not going to play on that team. I, I appreciate a lot of the things that I learned there. I don't consider myself anti-reformed. I just consider myself post-reformed. It's part of my story. It's part of my, what's formed my theology in a lot of ways, but I, I feel like I'm, I've, I've gone beyond it. I've thought outside the box. And so once you go outside that box of the questions and answers that they're asking, you realize that, well, those questions and answers were probably really relevant in the 16th century, but they're not so much right now. So hmm. yeah. we, we've talked the Calvinistic side of the of reformed, and I think we're all in agreement that it's not really uh, what's taught in the Bible, uh, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm right. Not, I'm not there. I don't, I don't. I hesitate. I don't know. The longer I live, when I'm so old, not as old as Jeff. That just tells you how old Jeff is. <gasps> but um, it just, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not reformed. The the idea of God ordaining, you know, everything, including people going to a hell that I believe very differently about that. So, um, yes, I'm not reformed. Like Todd said, I'm not anti-reform. I guess in a way I am. I'd probably be a little more aggressive towards reform people, but not towards people, but just I just totally disagree. Not people. Okay, great stuff, guys. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to Todd. But, hey, yeah, hey we're having a conversation. Well, Jeff. hold on. Yeah, Jeff. I want to get through my. I'm few, usually the one. I want to get through a couple of questions, and then we can, you know, go on to whatever the heck you guys want to 
ask Todd and talk about yourselves. I, I had a quick follow up to that. That maybe will, uh, unless you're if you're on a chronological train, then I, I won't interrupt your chronological. I do train. have a little. Yeah, it is okay. I, I will mm. say I did. I did in regards to the reform thing. I had a similar experience when looking back. I can see I I I dove into uh, Matt Chandler like reformed like powerful speakers that have the answer and they speak with such authority. And I got heavily into that um, before I realized like my faith was kind of on shaky ground because I was looking for a little assurance and, mm-hmm. and some steady ground. Um, and that didn't, it didn't last very long because I'm the type of person that just keeps asking questions and keeps wa- wanting to push through. So, you know, ultimately came out of that, but similar situation where you just, if you're looking for certainty, they can, they can help you with that. Well, yeah, and you just shouldn't ask questions that they don't have the answer for on the little, you know, catechism. Right. If if they have if they have a question and answer, you're safe. Right. But if you ask other questions, yeah, yeah, you might find other answers. Yeah. And it's that then then it causes problems. And that's why I like I like being non-denominational. Mm. But that also turns into okay if you're non-denominational, then I thought that meant you didn't give any money. <laughs> it means no, it's like no denomination salad bar <laughs> theology. <laughs> well, it's like well, a little. I'll take a little of this and take a little of well, this. Well, that, but but then also the, uh, the crypto. The the <laughs> pastor though can then potentially uh, you know be the place in the place of that catechism. So whatever yeah. he says is like the thing. Right. So you can run it. it it's it could be a double edged sword, but I I just yeah I don't I don't feel the need to be held to a a. Uh, a Martin Luther or a John Calvin. Well, I, I think uh, it's great Ed, to be Edwards. in conversation yeah. with all those people because they are our forebears in the faith. And so, but they all disagreed about stuff. And so to keep them as conversation partners and bring them in. Awesome. Right. But I think any one of them, they, 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 they lived in a particular time and place and they had an impact because they were the people that were addressing the important issues in their time and place. But if you build your whole, you know, life around somebody that's time and place was 500 years ago, <clears throat> it's just, yeah. you, you miss a bunch. And so. And it's a, like you said, it's important to, I was just reading Jonathan Haidt has had some big article in Atlantic that's getting a lot of buzz about why the last 10 years are, have been incredibly stupid. And it's mostly related to social media. But one of his points is like, you need to be in conversation with people that think differently than you. It will make you better and smarter. If you're just insulated to one thing, it's going to make you dumber. And he said it more eloquently. Well, that's that. why he has the heterodox academy. I think right. Is what, yeah. Part of his Yeah. Thing. And progress, yeah. progress almost always happens through heterodoxy. It doesn't mean being a heretic is always the, the way to go, but you always want to be testing things. And, uh, and I, yeah, I have a couple good friends. Shout out Greg. He's pretty reformed and he's a great person to talk about God with. And, Still get along. Yeah. Well, test I, me. It, and there's a lot of great people, and I learned a lot from that that group. And I'm I'm not. Yeah, like I said, I'm not anti. Just part of my story. Yeah, love it. Back to you, Jeff. Okay, Jeff. Well, back to you. So he was shaking. So now we have now we have 20 years of Mountain View. <laughs> yeah. And what has if as you look at the breadth of Mountain View Church and your time. Um, your family's time there. And when you look back, what has been the most challenging part of 20 years as the pastor of a church? And what has been 
if you can sum it up, the greatest success or successes, if you need more than and one. Who's been your favorite stakeholder? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out for real. <laughs> oh, man, it's hard to kind of sum it up that way. But I, I would say... Okay, how about imp- impact? What, is, what has been the overarching theme of Mountain View to you? Like, this is what Mountain View was, is... You know, I, I, I mean, I think we talk a lot about that idea of home for the wanderer and rest for the weary, but I think that's been a, it became a slogan or our vision statement because it was just what was happening. And there are a lot of people that were burned out on trying to please God, working hard for God, whether in professional ministry or other things that have found a place to rest at Mountain View where it's not driven by performance and um, producing, but it's a place where you can rest in the the grace of God and the presence of God and not feel like you have to perform all the time. And then other people that I've been wandering and have no faith, no um, background. I, 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 one of the cool things about this week hearing kind of getting notes from people and like hearing testimonies of people in the last weeks, it's like the best testimonies that have been meant the most to me are these people that say, I had given up my faith and walked away from it and somebody brought me to Mountain View and over the last couple of years, God has reignited my faith and drawn me to himself and I'm just so thankful to you because you saved my faith. And I'm like, I love that because mm-hmm. I just think there's there's a lot of people that are giving up on Jesus because they think he's somehow associated with well, I mean, evangelicalism. <laughs> <laughs> or any particular um, group. Or any particular yeah. group. I mean, just people are burned on a lot of things, but I think when they encounter a God who looks like Jesus, they're like, oh, you mean, wait a minute. No, God could actually be like Jesus. I mean, I know Jesus is cool, but his dad's kind of a dick, you know? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> how a lot of people think, and it's just not that way. Jesus is the perfect representation of what his dad's like, and... Um, of what the father is like, what God is. And so God's skin suit. Is that okay, Scott? I will accept it partially. Well, I, I, had a, <laughs> I, I, I will, I will argue with it, but that, we'll get that. Later. I had a woman come come up to me <laughs> uh, like, I don't East, accept it. <laughs> after Easter service and, and Sam's like what had been happening in her life this last month. And I knew, and I knew her, I, I actually knew her daughter and um, she just, she said she'd lost people like in the last month and she was so angry at Jesus and like yelling and screaming and, and you know, it's, and she's like, however, that's what's brought me back to church. I thought that was, I mean, it's heart wrenching to hear the story, but it's amazing. It's like when people are telling you, you know, Todd, you, you've brought me back this acceptance has brought me back to church and back back to community and back to like just a place where people just love. That's kind of a, a, so it's kind of like a feather in your cap type yeah. of thing. Well, people go through terrible, terrible things in life. And in most of those, it does not feel safe. Church doesn't always feel like the safest place to go with your pain mm. and it needs to be, you know, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about Mountain View is it's a safe place for that. Now, I don't think that's everybody's experience because obviously 
you know, people have different experiences and somebody goes, no, I would talk to my small group at Mountain View and somebody said this because, you know, we're all people and people are different. And it's one of the things about our church is that not everybody agrees on everything and we don't all think the same way, but we value each other's opinions and give each other a place to speak. And so sometimes people like Scott end up speaking and it... (laughs) It might not be great for people. You know? Okay, Scott is still listening. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I heard my name. I sorry. Can you? <laughs> Scott's like Alexa. He's not actually listening until the name is called. Actually, always listening, yeah. not doing anything until hey. his name is called. Hey, I'm full of grace and most importantly, truth. Okay. <laughs> okay, we we true that. So we might we, we'll I'm sure we'll get into some other things related to to Mountain View uh, quickly, and I'm not going to go. I had a few more questions, but they can they can wait. Um, you literally are on day one, like it is finished as of yesterday. I turned in my keys today. Yeah, really? I, I did. I turned in yeah. my keys today. And, you give them uh, the hand, handgun back? Uh, no, no, they didn't give me a handgun. <laughs> oh, All the security it. team has that. Okay. <laughs> Which cracks me up. That we don't issue them. Uh, these, we don't actually know if the security team has them or who the security team is. Come to Mountain View. Be a stakeholder. Get a gun. That's not fair, Southerners. I'm That's sorry. Uh, I can just say that I'm Orange sorry. County is way more conservative than Tennessee. So just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nashville for sure. So are you opening the, opening the floor up? Oh yeah, how how is it? Like, what is the it's uh, day one? What's the feeling right now, Todd? Um, the vibe. Were you? I mean, playing. I, I was glad I got to play on your last Sunday, playing some guitar. Easter Sunday, no less. And I, I was gonna save. I'll save most of this for the end, but it, it there is this Easter connection where, you know, you mentioned yesterday going through so much and like burying people, marrying people, like all the things you do as a pastor that are meaningful, that are going away. I mean, you, you dedicated my late son, Shane on Easter. It was an Easter Sunday. And, uh, I think there was a couple other Easter thing wow. milestones for you. Um, yeah. and then you you leave on Easter Sunday. Um, but you know, I'm not talking about, I'll bring up my stuff later. I got something to say about that, but no, but it, it is it is cool, and one of the things that I, every time I go visit my family at the cemetery in El Toro, I think of Shane because we buried him just right near where yeah. we buried my mom, and um, my mom actually picked out the spot where she wanted to be buried because it was right near where the little kids were, and she's like, I want to be here where I can watch over the little kids. And, so um, sweet. Yeah, it was weird going to a cemetery and like, taking a video camera back in the day when you had a video camera not on your phone and it's like okay mom here's all the spots and then like here's the caskets she's, <laughs> she's picking, like, picking it out, out her own oh, casket geez. picking out her own spot and at the time you're still at the time like no you're gonna you're gonna get healed like, well no, we, this, this was that. like yeah we, we pretty much gave up hope after yeah. at, at this point it was like she just kind of was in her last weeks and the doctor kind of mm. pulled us aside and goes hey she's not getting any better just so you know she's got maybe two weeks to live you better Wow. Say goodbye. And so finally we, uh, yeah, kind of came to terms with reality, hmm. but yeah, that was a crazy thing. But, but all, all of that to be said, Easter is a great time to go out on because it's like the high point of our Christian year. It's the high point of the Christian faith. It's like the beauty of death and resurrection. It's like, resur- I mean, it's like the happy ending. Hmm. So 
yeah. So I, I thought it was great. And it was cool to, it was a great time to go out because so many people that haven't been to church in a long time came back because I was leaving and they're like, I haven't been there for a long time because of COVID or haven't, you know, even gone to church and wanted to come say goodbye. And I don't know, hopefully those people stick around and be part of it because they remembered, oh, wow. I know, I know that was, was like for me coming back to church after, you know, we stopped for a while with COVID and everything. It's like, oh, wow, I miss this. I miss being together mm. and worshiping together and seeing people face to face. And so hope it was that for people and it, it'll be a, a good next season. I'm, mm. I'm actually really excited for the church and what's next because I really think I took the church as far as I could take it. And I was like, I could do reruns for the next like, you know, 20 years, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot more that I necessarily want to say than what I've already said. And so I, I think I'm going to do something different and it'll give me a chance to, to do some other things that I've always wanted to do, like, right. And so, and I get to be with my family. So that'll be cool. And I feel like n- nowadays people don't tend to do one profession for 20 years. I mean, it feels like I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it feels like it's more the exception than than the rule. And that didn't used to be the case. But it's not uncommon that people are jumping from thing to thing every two, five, ten years or so. So to do something for 20 years is a huge milestone. Mm-hmm. You're the last one. Right. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of a dinosaur. I'm realizing when I keep telling these stories, and I'm like, yeah, back before we had, um, you know, Twitter or any, you know, was it? list serve, you know, back, yeah. back before we had cell phones, it was, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've been doing this a long time. And when I started at Mountain View, what's crazy. We were just having a conversation today. You know, when we started at Mountain View, somebody had sent me a picture of when I went to Israel with a friend of mine, like in 20, 2009. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that was the year that like when I was in Israel, he told me about Facebook and I'm like, what? And like, what is that? And then I came home and I told my wife and she's like, that's stupid. Nobody will ever do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah. Anyway. It's coming back around. Well, Don't worry. People well, are to your wife's credit, <laughs> someone was like back in like the eighties, they're like personal computers. No one's going to have, like, why would people have computers in their house? Yeah. What do they need to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, something. And then the mouse was invented and people were poo-pooing them out. Like the mouse. What, what is that? You just, you have a keyboard. You don't need a mouse. Like everything, any new thing, change is difficult. So you you may have indirectly answered the question, but um, go ahead and give your uh, your young self some advice. Like, what would you tell yourself now if you had to impart what you know now? Um, How young on yourself? Um, let's go back <laughs> day to like, one Mountain View. I was thinking like four, four years old. Four years old. Mm. No, um, <laughs> quit, quit yeah. pooping in your pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. You should be past this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Day, uh, you know, as you're getting into like ma- like full time or, or regular pastorship, not youth pastor, I don't know, or whatever, whatever comes to mind for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that there's anything that I could have told myself that I would have listened to because I knew everything when I was young. Yep. As most young people do. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. And I, I can't even tell you what you don't know. So it's like to, to tell myself back then, I would say the things that, uh, my church planting coach said to me, like, you will be broken. <laughs> I'm like, 
And that's hey, still thanks. the, yeah. That's encouraging. He said that. But and it's then, like, what, yeah. what, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Um, you and know, you probably didn't believe him. Love, love deeply and hold loosely. You know, that was like something that they told me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But, you know, the, the, the painful parts about ministry and the great parts about ministry all center around people and losing people um, to death, to leaving, to not liking something you did or said, Mm -hmm. judging you falsely, you know, all of the stuff. And I guess the the thing that I would say is just like, if I would have learned sooner to, um, to just in those times connect to the fact that Jesus knows what it's like to go through all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he knows what it's like to lose people that he loves. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be, you know, misunderstood or falsely accused. Um, I, more and more in my life, the, the empathy of God knowing what it's like to be human has mattered to me. Um, a lot. And, and I've had more empathy for God having had teenagers, you know, and young adult children Mm -hmm. and storing up that wrath. (laughs) Exactly. Well, which, which is part of why I don't believe that anymore because I don't see God, you know, being like that. I'm like, my heart breaks for my kids when they're hurting and when they do stupid things that are hurting them and other people. And I want nothing but to get them out of that and um, save them from it. So, yeah. So, so I think that's the thing, like knowing that God, um, God was human. God became human because he, he gets us and he wants us to get what it's like to be him. And I, and I, when I, anytime my kids have, you know, done things that I don't want them to do, I'm like, yep, God, it must suck to be you because all your kids, none <laughs> they of them all. listen to you over and over. Uh, and, and it's like, and, and people that make it as if, oh, I'm a bad parent because my kids did bad things. It's like, that just throws God under the bus. Like he's a bad parent because his kids, like, duh, right. like, yeah. you, you don't have any control over your kids. Neither does God. And, uh, you know, so that, which is, again, a reason why that whole God's in control of everything is just stupid. Because, Problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the few times I was allowed to go to Mountain View was inc- <laughs> incidentally, uh, you weren't there. And that's why, that's why you were able to sneak in. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. all the security <laughs> guys at the in. doors. Uh, and, and, uh, I forget how many kids you have, but one of your sons, uh, was, was giving the message that day. Yeah. I think it's, I don't oh, know if it was Zach. Zach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told the story about one of the times he got in trouble and you were going to spank him. And, um, so I don't know wherever you went in the, one of the rooms and then you told, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially you told him, I'm going to spank your brother instead. (laughs) 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 Uh, You you told, you told him he sit down and then he knew, he knew he was going to get spanked, but you told him sit down and then you like kind of. Uh, lay on his lap and you said okay spank me like you're so you you were taking the punishment for his 
sin, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that was that was a, I mean that was a that's a that's a powerful that's powerful imagery of of um, uh, you know what what Jesus did, you know, or what you know what the Father did, sending His Son mm-hmm. um, to all these all His children that rebel against Him. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. I I, I think it was. It was very powerful for him. He obviously remembered it, and I, and it's, and I think it's an important, like how I would phrase it differently. Because even just this week on Friday, I talked about, I, I don't really buy that penal substitutionary atonement um, way of thinking about it. Not because it's not there's not parts of it that are in the Bible, but because as a whole, it does set it up as if it's like, hey, let's I'm going to spank your brother instead of you, and it still keeps the father as dishing out what happens to Jesus on the cross rather than receiving it at our hand. And that's where I think that picture, like the God, the fact that God became human, God, the son became human. um, It wasn't that the father was dishing this out to him as much as that he was receiving from us the full wrath of humanity and all the worst humanity could dish out. And showing his and character. forgiving us anyway yeah. in the midst of it, and and I I think there's something we lose in uh, the crucifixion when we kind of set it up as like the father, you know, uh, blaming Jesus for all the stuff that his brothers did. It it does feel a little bit kind of icky, and so I think there's a and and it, and it sends a lot of people running away from Christianity because it's just like, that doesn't make sense. Why would, and how is that justice? Um, so, yeah. So I think that picture of him taking it from us instead of dishing it out to us is is a good one. So I must've been pretty smart when I was young. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I mean. A mental or something. I, I even, even though I, I well, still no, believed I have, in penal substitution at that time. At that I time. said it in a, yeah. Way than I would. And I, I have, yeah, I mean, I would, I, it's kind of weird to reject penal substitution when you're saying that Jesus took on that as, I mean, God, God sending his son to do that. Um, and I, yeah, so I would. Well, it's messy and, and, and I don't claim to have a, a perfect answer to it. And, and it's not, it's, and, and even in, in saying I reject it, it's not like a, I don't know. It's not like all of it. Like one of the, our covenant in the evangelical covenant church, the, the founder, I guess, of the evangelical covenant church was a guy named PP Waldenstrom. And he had this thing where he basically said, Oh, wait a minute. God didn't need to be reconciled to us. We needed to be reconciled to God. There was never a change in God. God always loved us. His posture was always towards us, but he reconciled to us. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, um, not counting people's sins against them. And that um, that shift, he got a lot of criticism for it because it did kind of take a different angle against the penal substitution thing, but it was recognizing like, no, it, it, there was never a change in the heart of God. God was always for us. He was reconciling us by the cross. And... Yeah, it it just gets messy because we have so much like stuff that we've, you know, when you've always seen something one way, it's yeah. hard to see it a different way. So it's taken me a bunch of years, and I'm still not completely clear. Well, yeah, so. and I'm, I'm I'm like separating like okay, all this other whatever whatever else anyone 
whatever anyone else has said, any theologian and the learned has, have said about it and maybe added to it, uh, uh, kind of putting that aside. And so like us being reconciled to God is, so there, there's a, a question in there like, okay, what does that mean? Every, everyone is now reconciled to God. And, and, and I don't want to like get off, Oh, I, actually, I do. <laughs> Let me rephrase I that. I want to clarify because yeah. <laughs> I'm a clarifier. I, I, I do want to get uh, in. I, I, would, I would enjoy getting into that, but we don't have to for this discussion. But um, God reconciling the world to himself. So the world needs to be reconciled back to God. So, at, But at the cross, the question inherent in there is, okay, what does that mean when Jesus dies for the sins of the world? Does that mean that at that point, everyone is now reconciled to God, or is that the path to reconciliation? The path, yes, yeah. And so, and so that's so. It sounds what you're saying is like, oh, it, so some people might go, oh, that's controversial, and then other people are like, oh, that sounds great, but it's still not answering that dividing line question of, yeah. no, like, that, what exactly are you saying? Uh, I, and, yeah. I love that you're saying that, and I. I actually am not a pastor of a church anymore, so I can say what I actually think. Yeah, or the or or that or that particular denomination. <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm still ordained in that denomination, ah, but I don't, okay, so I don't, I don't yeah. think that's a problem. But okay. but but there is a part of um, I don't know, and, and and it's not for me. One of the hard parts about being a pastor is not saying everything you think, not because I care whether people like what I think or not, but I don't want to ever. I just don't want to hurt their beliefs or cause confusion where they don't need to have confusion. Mm. So, um, but, but I do, the longer I have, um, been a father and grandfather, the longer I've been a pastor to people, um, you know, the more liberal I get with my idea of God's forgiveness, you know, or with my own, um, grace, and, and in that um, question, like, that's always been a thing that I, I, I honestly struggle with is like, does God, did he forgive everybody? Like, did at the cross, when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Like, I, it was a pretty blanket statement and it was all for the worst people. And in that moment, was he, was this basically him saying this about all humanity? Like, hum, humanity is killing God and God is saying, Father, forgive them. They know what they're doing. And Jesus is the the middle like bridge between the two. And I there's a big part of me that thinks, yeah, it was everybody. But there's also other verses and scriptures that that make it indicate that it's like you have to put your faith in Jesus. And so my if position, you ask forgiveness, then God right, is faithful. You, if, and- yeah, God's faithful to forgive us. But but also um just that um yeah, that, that there is something. So, so my position has always been like, I think what Jesus did is um, it's big enough that it includes everybody, but I think you only get to experience the benefits right now of it for sure. If you believe it, because if you don't believe it, you're still stuck in feeling guilty and feeling lost or feeling Maybe shame or whatever. Maybe unless unless you think that there's no sin against God, and then it's like, oh, you, know, you don't feel guilt or shame or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if you don't, and that and that's one thing, and the, you're a sociopath, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> which do exist. <laughs> there there yes. are very many, but um, but yeah, but I I think definitely the experience of 
God's grace, the experience of the fullness of life in Christ only comes through faith. And I, if I believe by faith that Jesus did what he said he's going to do, then it applies to me. If I don't, then I can't say whether it applies to me because I don't believe it, right? So I don't know. I don't know what happens in the end, but I get to be agnostic about that. Not just because I'm not no longer pastor, but... <laughs> And I think I think agnostic is has become kind of a a dirty word, and I, I think it's my opinion that more people should embrace the idea of just recognizing like how much we don't know. And you can't. You, there's a difference between holding a belief strongly or thinking that something is true, but also recognizing yet it's a statement of faith about what I believe, and I don't know it. Right. And um, it's also worth noting for people that don't know, like. For a lot of people, penal substitution, like God sent his son because God couldn't forgive people unless there was a sacrifice and Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, um, the perfect sacrifice, that that is the gospel. And it's worth, and that's kind of what I used to believe. Um, but it's worth noting there's multiple theories about what the nature of the atonement is because there's a, a the Bible is clear in, in a few verses, but in different ways. Well, the Bible's that, clear about what happened. Right. It, it's not necessarily as clear about what it means, which it's is why theory. we have these arguments. Yeah. So there are a lot of theories or, or not even theories, like models of the atonement. So like th- there's different words we use. Like we use the word um, redemption and it's kind of a word from the, the slave market. Like if you buy somebody out of slavery, you've redeemed them. Mm-hmm. Um, imagery and, of the Exodus and yeah, free, so the imagery of, of Exodus. Slave, we yeah. bring people out of slavery. It's redemption. So what happened on the cross? Uh, there was redemption. Um, other people would say it's imagery from the the law courts and it's justification. God has declared yeah. us not guilty. Yeah. Wait, and what was that word that you used? The justification law, law, no, law courts. Court? Two words: law, court. law or courts. <laughs> Law courts. The law courts. Law Thank courts. you. Law. I thought you said lock warts, which I thought was maybe like <laughs> a sister location to Hogwarts I in think, Harry Potter. I think it might be. Satellite campus. Uh, John Calvin went there. These two citraholics in, guys. Uh, <laughs> the lock ward. I had a C the plus court. I had a C plus average, so I didn't get into Hogwarts. I had to go to Lockwarts. That's exactly what hey, I thought. You'll get, there one, you'll get there one day. A shitty wizard. <laughs> wizard community school. That's a good episode title, <laughs> Shitty Wizards. But, and then there's the the debt the debt cancellation right. aspect, like your debt has been paid and it's been canceled, yeah. and and that that's kind of so or all the of ransom. those things, right? Ransom, yeah. and and that was where actually the penal substitution thing kind of grew out of one of the earliest versions of the church. They had this idea of the ransom theory. I forget who came up with it, but but uh, Anselm didn't like it in the Middle Ages, and he did this. Um, this thing where he said, no, it's more of like God's honor has been offended and God is infinitely honorable. So there needs to be an infinite payment against God's honor. Cause in his time, cause that, that was that's, the thing. If like, you sinned against somebody of a high status, your punishment was much greater because of their status. And so right. the, who has more status than God? And, and so, so he, he read that in there. Yes. And so all of us are creatures of our time and our environment. And so the, the ways we view things are shaped by it and that's all right. It's how it is. It's okay. But as long as we recognize it and we hold it loosely to go, this theory or this model or metaphor is not the exact thing that happened. It's a way of describing what happened that works for me and makes sense to my people. 
So I use it. Now, it just happens that later generations overturn earlier ones and they call them heretics and (laughs) there's all kinds of every generation. Yes. It just happens. (laughs) And so, you know, and, and what works for one age doesn't always work for another. Uh, But, but that's where this word propitiation and there's a word it's in some Bible translations, it it translates it's, it's a hilasterion. It's a sacrifice of atonement in the NIV but it refers to the Ark of the Covenant and the atonement cover. And it was the place where blood was sprinkled in the Old Testament sacrifices. And the blood was sprinkled in those Old Testament sacrifices for cleansing. And it seems weird to me that you sprinkle blood on stuff and that's how to cleanse it. I think that's like, no, (laughs) that's what you got to cleanse it from. Like there's blood, we got to get it off. Now it's sticky and smells like metal. (laughs) Exactly. But in their way of thinking, um, the life is in the blood. And so when you take the lifeblood and you sprinkle it on there, it's a way of um, just sanctifying or purifying or holifying the space so that you can offer this, this sacrifice. And so in some religions, they use this idea of propitiation that is a it's honestly a pagan concept of, you know, in a lot of pagan religions, like you see this in the Aztecs and the Mayans, like sacrificing humans. Mm-hmm. You saw it in biblical religion. They sacrificed human sacrifices. In fact, that's one of the ways Gehenna or became hell is talking about this idea of where in the Valley of Hinnom they had sacrificed to um, Molech, uh, this god, They'd sacrifice their children, even king of Israel. Had but when that. you say biblical, it's like it's, it's recorded in the, in the Bible, but that was always condemned to sacrifice their always children. Always condemned right. that you don't sacrifice your children, right. and, but they recorded in the Bible that a king of right. Israel had done this. And and that's another thing. Spoiler alert, not everything that's recorded in the Bible right. is sanctioned by God because he didn't say <laughs> right. to do these things right. necessarily. Don't, Maybe people yeah. thought he said to do these things, but nah, he didn't. That's when my inner Scott, real quick, my inner Scott gets riled up. Mm-hmm. If somebody, I hear somebody say, it's biblical or we have a biblical worldview. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Because well, I guarantee right. you we have different ideas about yeah, that. Okay, so one of my pet peeves, I, 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 I watch, a, and not to derail this whole thing, real quick. One of my pet peeves, I watch a lot of like a, uh, like a doom and gloom YouTube, YouTube channels. And like, like these, these people are Christians and they go, Oh gold, it's God's money. It's mentioned in the Bible uh, hundreds of times. And I'm like, Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So like shekels. Can, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about like a denarius with Caesar's, Caesar's head on? on. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, man. Why? It's biblical. Why? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I think what I was talking about is uh, this idea of propitiation is appeasing a God's wrath. And like, it was a, it's very common in lots of ancient folk religion that, you know, if you folk, he said, he said folk. Yeah, I did say with an L. We'll leave the other one to me. And uh, if like, for instance, if it never rains and it's the rain, Irish. God, the rain, God is not, <laughs> is not uh, sending rain. Then we offer a sacrifice to the rain God to appease his wrath that he's withholding his rain. So that'll do it. And same thing with if, if there's no fertility, that's why people for sacrifice their kids. It's like, if I sacrifice my firstborn child, then God will give me more fertility so that I can have more children. It's just a sick, twisted, horrible distortion of anything that would be like God. But somehow it's made its way into the picture in Christianity where people are like, 
God is so pissed that he needs a sacrifice and he can't forgive. He's just beyond it. Even though he tells everybody we should forgive our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, he doesn't do it that way. He has to. He's bound to make somebody pay. Bound by whom? Nobody ever really knows. His own honor, I guess, according to Anselm. Well, his nature. It, it, his it, nature. It would, it would be, that would be the default. It would be. Right. To say his nature, because his nature is just, and that justice means that if some wrong has been done, it has to be righted. Yes. It's it's yeah. uh that's why the Bible is still cool to me. Well, for a lot of reasons. Uh, even though I've often wanted <laughs> You've to given throw it permission, I've wanted to throw everything out plenty of times. Yeah, uh, I have given it permission, <laughs> Scott. Thank you. Uh, it is that um, there's if you're paying attention or and you think deeply. Well, if you, if you just think about things, uh, Jewish people and Judaism didn't d- exist in a vacuum. And so if you're paying attention, there is a progression in the Bible of people that weren't Jewish getting called to something more. And, you know, you get the eye for an eye, Trump's favorite passage in the Bible. It It's a progression from where they were before. Yeah, it's way better than like, you pluck at my eye, I cut off your head. Right. You kill my family. It was a I de-escalator. Your village. Yeah. yeah. Love Hammurabi. Yeah. And so, and there is, there is this concept, or if you look at Job's friends, you know, they weren't necessarily wrong theologically for their time for interpreting what was happening to Job. And there is this sense of, you know, God does, God sends rain on the good and not on the bad. And then you get to the New Testament. It's like God sends rain on the just and the unjust or whatever the phrasing is. There's, there's like this level up in what we know about God and what we can understand about God through Jesus. Yeah. Um, in, in my opinion, I know there's, this is potential for can of worms and I'm not trying to trigger anything, but that's where I'm at now. And too late. Yeah. Just the idea is, Scott, you are getting so mature. Like this is so many of these things would have spun off into yelling matches years ago. I know, Scott, I, you're very restrained. I'd even let you come to Mountain View if I was still the pastor, but I'm not. Thanks, so Scott. I can't help you there. No, I'll, I'll, I'll join you in Tennessee. Uh, nice. <laughs> There's a new neighbor down there. Yeah. His name is Scott. Oh, God, we got to go, honey. But my like, big light bulb moment has been the forgiveness thing. Like what does forgiveness mean? And realizing again, in my opinion, that if, if I forgive my kid, it's just forgiveness. I don't require anything from, from them. And so why can't God just forgive? And and if something is required to get forgiveness, then we're talking about a different word than forgiveness. So you, you don't pay a debt and forgive it. Like you do either or. Right. Like I can't, I, if somebody else comes and pays my debt, that's not forgiveness. That's payment. I mean, literally, like if I, if I, yeah. <laughs> not, that's not necessarily so, so true. It, we're here at Andy's house. If the bank, um, if like, let's say the bank chooses to, they can choose to forgive your debt. That would never happen, but let's just say they did. Or let's just say it's the year of Jubilee. Let, let's just <laughs> yeah. say, you know, Jeff wins the lottery and he comes and he just says, I'm going to pay off your house just because I want to. And so he pays off your house. The bank, that's not forgiveness. The bank got paid in full. They're like, we got payment for it. We're not forgiving your debt. We're receiving payment for it. So it really is problematic. 
No, well, no, it's it's forgiveness to the the one who has who owes the debt. Mm. It's forgiveness to that person who owes the debt. The payment the payment is something else. And so if if sin has to be punished and righteousness only comes righteousness can't come by works or obedience to the law, then the, then how how is that debt of sin supposed to be paid? And so God provides that that payment for us. Yeah. And so it's forgiveness it's forgiveness to the individual. Um, uh, and and then that's the whole idea is that God sent Jesus to be that sacrifice. How how do we do we go? Oh well, God would. One, well, one of the views is oh God just God does that because he's just trying to appease our uh, uh, our wrong mis- thirst for blood. Our, yeah, our thirst for blood, our misconception of of God's nature. But he sends Jesus. And he, he sends Jesus to appeal to like to fulfill that, but the only reason, like for for us Gentiles especially uh, uh, living in the 20th century, did you say genitals? Uh, <laughs> no, you just did. Todd, Todd can say anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can say anything yeah. I want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah. Not out. that I haven't said genitals or cut off your junk in church. I, He's that, done that. Like, yeah. Yes, um, but but that uh, the the reason why us or uh, or even going back to you know, Calvin or Luther or uh, Augustine or whoever. Um, the only reason why we hold to this idea of penal substitution or the idea that Jesus died so that we can be forgiven is because Jesus died for our sins. And that was talked about over and over by Jesus, by the apostles, that like they, they are the ones that perpetuated this idea of Jesus paying the price for our sin. So like yeah he d- he died for our sins. That that phrase is definitely in the scripture and repeated again. And so again and again. So I I I totally agree with you and I think part of the problem is the mixing of metaphors. Like the paid for our sins is that like, you know, payment of a debt metaphor, mm-hmm. the you know, died for our sins in our place as like a penalty. That's more of like a penal metaphor from the law courts. And those things get kind of mixed in together. Ransom. No, yeah. no is is that the second one you mentioned? Stop saying is ransom, that mentioned my favorite in, word. in the New Testament? Um, as far as like paid for our sins? The the well, whatever you you mentioned. Yeah, like second. the the well, there's definitely the word justification sound it 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 feels like that, but the way you described and this is what it goes back to, and this is why I said the thing about Calvin being a man for his time and the, um, you know, the Protestant Reformation, there was a lot of talk about justification because the, you, you mentioned that you can't by works of the law somehow, right. you know, approve yourself by God or whatever, like you can't earn God's favor because the, you know, Luther was a lawyer, Calvin was a lawyer. They saw everything in the words of the law court. In, the, in, in terms of that. And when they looked at the all the Jew-Gentile issues in the New Testament, they saw it in terms of, well, the Jews were legalistic and they thought you earned your salvation and Christianity is like, no, God provided it. And so they saw everything through that lens. But part of what's happened in the last, and, and this is the, the beauty of new discoveries in theology, like in the last 40 years, there's been a lot of discovery of first century Judaism that there were no Jews in first century Judaism that thought you earned your salvation by works. 
It just wasn't a category for them the way that those people were seeing it. But they were seeing it partly through law and partly through their argument with the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church was selling indulgences to get people off. And they're like, that's like, you can't do that. It's by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And they were right on that. But they were conflating the issues of their time and their argument with the Catholic Church as being the same between Jews and Gentiles and Christians, you know, in the Old Testament. And so the categories got mixed. And so that's why it, but it's been embedded in our theology for so long that it's hard to sort that out because we use language and it makes us think certain things, but we don't, we're not careful about how we sort it out. And many people haven't really thought through all of it. So it, it, it makes it really messy. Yeah. Keep that theological scooter train rolling. (laughs) Hey, I'm glad you guys did that. That was that was great. I have a little transition, maybe. But I don't know if it's a transition, but it's a little... Go ahead and do it. You don't have to look at me. I do have a couple of personal, I know you do, personal questions. How about real quickly? Well, real quickly, as a transition, we just opened a beer, and in honor of Easter, the, we're recording this the day after Easter. What is, what is that beer? This is What uh, do we got here? It's Jesus Juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's Michael Jackson's. No, it, I mean it, it is an Easter. It is an Easter beer because it has a Just bunny a with the uh, chainsaw, and it says "Bunny with a chainsaw." Bunny with the chainsaw. His cuteness will cut you to pieces. <laughs> and there's a picture of an Easter bunny. I, I'd like to try a little yeah, bit of that. Double dry that? hop cuteness. There's another one in here. If there's not enough in there, yeah. I don't, I don't it, need a whole one because it looks. Todd's like not a, a pastor anymore. He can have he can have beer now. <laughs> oh, I could. I, I went to the doctor and they said I'm alcohol deficient. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he, Wait, he can, I, can I get the guy's number? He also has a baptism thing. Oh, He's got to get the words correct. It's first, in a jacuzzi. So. I won't drown. It's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so we talked about this a, a couple episodes ago, um, and it, it's it's uh, well, I'll just ask it since you can say anything. Yeah, you get to uh, you get to remove one book from the Bible. Which one and why? And you get to keep only one book from the Bible, which one and why. And if you want to give a couple honorable mentions, we will allow it. Dang. I'm not good at removing books, but um, let's see. I don't know. You could probably have uh, Zephaniah. Is that a book? Yes. Okay, good. I think it's a book. I probably never read. I mean, I read it because there's a verse that gets quoted from it that's kind of cool about God singing over you and stuff, but. That's about all I know about it. And it's I really quoted in Revelation. Oh, dang it. I probably should have kept that one, but no, nope, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go because up until now, if I haven't needed it, I mean, I, I've actually been having to make this decision because I have a lot of books and I can't take them all because I don't have room for them. And uh, transporting them is expensive. And I'm like, what books do I really want and need? And I've had to be doing this with my library. And wow. so I... I took a first pass and I took 11 boxes of books when we moved out there. And then I had more room on my bookshelves and I'm like, I'm taking more back. So I've been packing them up and tomorrow I, I even have two or three more boxes that I can take. So I'm kind of like trying to find books that make the cut. <laughs> Do you have an example of one that you think is going to miss the cut, but you wish it didn't? Um, well, I mean, I have a, I have this big old uh, Greek dictionary. It's called the BDAG uh, I forget what the names are, Bauer, somebody, whatever. It's like kind of the standard of- That's oh, like, from Lockwards. It, it's a big deal. It's a it's a big, and it, it costs like <laughs> 135 bucks to buy. And uh, 
I'm like, I left it behind last time. And I was, cause like I have all this software on my computer mm-hmm. that I'm like, I, I don't need any of these books, honestly. Um, but they're my security blanket and I'm attached to them and I've read some of them. And they're the tangible. They are, something about the tangibility. I love tangible books. It's a thing. I, they're surrounded by all my dead best friends. It's really fun, but, but yeah, it's hard, but I'll leave that one just cause I said that for now. Uh, but then uh, if I could only take one, I'd probably have to take, ugh, it'd have to be one of the gospels. I probably, ugh. Can I guess? Are you torn between? No, don't no, bias no, him. Shut your damn mouth. Gosh. <laughs> you let him answer I'll, purely. I'll just, take, I'll just take Luke Acts because it's a one book and uh, a sequel. I get a little more that way. <laughs> I would have been wrong. That's it's good. a good one. I, would, I, I like John because it's got a lot of good things. I like Mark. Uh, I like My guess Matthew. was like you were torn between Mark or John. Yeah. I mean, if only in one chapter, Romans 8. It's my, my desert island chapter. I'm like, nice. That one. Is really good, and uh, I could pretty much reconstruct the whole Bible out of that chapter. So that was so politically that, correct. You're that's like, good. I really I like Mark, but you know, I gotta take Luke. Uh, well, if well, I could only take one person John's from this great. room, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be me. So, <laughs> people, don't, <laughs> people don't, don't usually judge you too harshly on choosing the one book that you like to keep, but what they will judge you harshly on is what's the what is the desert. Island album that you would take with you. And that's the one where people will really fight you on it. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Desert Island album. And if it's a Chris Tomlin album, I quit podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) While you think about that, I'd gotten out all my guitars the other day and I took a picture of them just because I'd never lined them all up together. But like, look, they're all together. I sent it to my buddy and he just goes, are you going on tour? And I went, yeah, with Chris Tomlin. (laughs) Honestly, I think it's actually Busted Stuff by Dave Matthews. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's... Real yeah. fans call him Dave, but whatever. Uh, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to call him. I like that album a lot. I have loved that man for a long time. And wow. I feel like he is my spirit animal. And um, that guy just uh, speaks to my heart in a way that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. So, And that album in particular is pretty... Uh, well, it's kind of dark, but it's, it's a good album. Uh, Lindsay, my wife's best friend, one of her, one of her best friends from high school, has been to over 50 Dave Matthews concerts. Yeah, I've only at, been to one. At least over 50. That's a lot of money. Man. That's, it's like, I don't know if she's ever passed up an opportunity within the state of California to go see him. That's amazing. Yeah, it, mm. it, it's definitely an experience. They're definitely a jam band concert experience yeah. kind of a band and they're amazing but that's but cool yeah. i didn't see that one coming but yeah. i like that i like that answer yeah you won't get roasted tonight on that one all right <laughs> okay uh shifting gears a, a lot um going back a lot of over 11 years of just being a believer i've heard a lot of people talk about pks you know um pastors kids and also pastors wives in in the 20 years you've been a pastor at Mountain View. Has there ever been a time where your wife or your kids have been like, would you not be a pastor anymore? Yes. And what does that, I mean, has the there last been, five years. Okay. <laughs> all, all right. Every day. The last five years. Well, that's exhausting. I mean, for sure the last three, but you know, yeah, it's uh why? Well, what's their reasoning? 
There's, there's two things. One, I, I mean, as pastor's kids and a pastor's wife, I did my best to try to insulate them from whatever the thing is that people think. Like, I, I didn't put any extra pressure on them. I'm like, you be you. I mean, when I when we came to Mountain View, Tracy told me, what am I supposed to say at the interview? Like, they're going to ask me, like, what I'm going to do. And I said, just you be you. You say whatever you say. And she said, I'm not doing anything. And they still took her. And then she came around and she was fully in and went to seminary and it's all good. But um, yeah, there, there's parts about being a pastor's wife and pastor's kids that I didn't quite see. And they're not about the pressure that I put on people. And it's not always about the pressure that other people put. It's about the pressure that they put on themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's about living in a fishbowl where like, there's something about the pastor thing that's like, kind of like being a celebrity, but it's worse because everybody thinks like you're the savior or you are perfect and they love you. And it's not everybody, obviously. We let celebrities be dumb. Imagine a celebrity could be judged even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of weird like that because people just like, they, they see you out around town and they're like, oh, hey, there's the pastor. You know, it's like, there's this thing about that. And then I don't know. And then if you meet a stranger and they find out you're a pastor, instantly they change. Like oh, you, you're that's, not just that's having the golf a normal thing. Like yeah. every time I golf, like people I'm golfing with, and they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm pastor. They're like, oh, fuck. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, just, they chuck the beer in their head over their shoulder really far. Like, oh, well, that, nothing, nothing, nothing here. I was drinking beer. Uh, yeah, I would have had that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. And so that part is, it's awkward. And even now, like, one of the hardest things about this weekend, it's like, it's honoring that, you know, like we had to stand up on stage and people clapped at us, but it's like, you know, when you stand up on stage and people just clap at you and you're like, it's weird. okay, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't just finish singing a song or anything like it's weird, but it's okay. It's just, and I think when your family is in it and they didn't choose it, um, I chose it. It just, it's hard. It's hard on them because they don't, yeah, they don't always get the choice whether they want to be in a fishbowl or live that kind of celebrity life. They just are. And, you know, I know, you know, when they're around town and everybody knows their story. And then especially when I was for a long time, probably until the last five years, I used my family's illustrations a lot. Mm. And I, I stopped doing it because they asked me to stop because it, it just, um, and I didn't always know I was doing it. I was kind of like, oh, how I, the spirit moved me, and I just said something. You know? but <laughs> so there like, was a negative <laughs> impact in some form. Yeah, that, I mean, it's definitely a negative impact. And then when it's great, it's great. And there's times when all my kids were working in the church and involved in the church, and my wife's working in the church, and it was like, this is the life. Like, this is, I can't imagine having it better than this. This is so great. And then when it's not really like that it's it's hard um and and it you know it's just everything you do is so public when my son went through a divorce it was public and there were people in the church that were connected to him and that was hard and then it was hard on that whole you know group of people and the way they were there was a lot of people that were i don't know they were just being people but it just makes it hard and uh and then people do this things where they take sides and they get judgmental and that part gets hard. And, and you don't ever, you know, it's not like you're going to stand up and say anything bad about anybody else, or you're going to say, stand up and correct 
people's impressions because it's like not everybody even knows the stuff. So it's just sure. one of those weird things where the whole PR thing is weird. And then, you know, then you throw a pandemic into it and political stuff and it just gets, uh, it gets really challenging to be in the middle of, mm. especially when you're trying to hold a community together that all sees things differently. Uh, on that, did you think the church, do you ever have doubts that ch church might not survive? Yeah. I mean, I don't, Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So I, I'm not worried about the church long-term, but I definitely having been somebody that closed a church that I was <laughs> in charge of, I'm <laughs> like, I don't have the church in general is going to not survive, but yeah, I mean, there, there were parts, Churches but come and go. They do. Yeah. But ours is really special and it's really good. And I, I think it'll still last and it's a good thing. It's just, it's really a lot harder to do the centered set thing than I thought. Um, mm. Like, I think, I think I tried, I think I, yeah, I just, I, I thought that, yeah, we're breaking through. We're doing something totally different, but it's um, people tend to, tend to weigh their opinions and political things more than they do that centered set ideal of, yeah, there was a, uh, without having directly had a conversation with you about this, um, just a side note, during some of the um, racial upheaval over the last couple or a couple years ago, um, I, I know a few different families that are on drastically different political sides that ended up going because you were trying to like strike the balance and like speak to everyone in a situation, do the center set thing as it applies to current events. And you just can end up pissing everyone off. Yeah. By going, you mean leaving. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah, left. Yeah, they left. Thank you. Yeah. Pe people that were on each side of every one of those debates of the race thing, the COVID restrictions thing, the everything like anybody that was on the extremes pretty much left. And then we were left with people in the middle that were like Rodney King theology. Like, why can't we all get along? Right. Yeah. And I, <laughs> That's kind of, I'm like, oh, let's just get along. Let's figure this out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was hard, but, and, and I think that's just hard on, and I think what's hard on my, my wife, for instance, or my kids is not that they are so worried about, but it's like, they see the toll that takes on me. Mm. And then they're just like pissed at everybody. Cause you know, they get like kind of protective and, yeah, you know, and when my wife sees me not happy, um, she's like, I want you to be happy. I like Todd on vacation, Todd, more than I like Todd, the pastor, Todd. <laughs> so, you know, she's been pushing me for a couple of years to go like, nah, I don't, I don't think this is good for you. Fast forward nine months from now. She's like, well, so, uh, you, uh, you want to go get a job? Go, go get a job or something? Cause uh, you follow me around the house. It's not working. <laughs> we see each other a lot and it's, it's great, but I mean, it's great. No, no, yeah. it's really, it's great. Yeah. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine who had been a pastor in, in Santa Barbara for a long time and was just mentioning to him a little bit about, you know, your story and that you're culminating 20 years being at Mountain View and how Mountain View has is and has a reputation for, for being a healthy church and having a healthy culture to it. And his comment to me was a big reason of that is because Todd has been there for 20 years and he doesn't know you, mm -hmm. but he just knows that, that that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by someone's longevity and 
dedication to something for so long that you can have a church now at 25 years that, that looks healthy and functions in a healthy way. Um, and I thought that was a, a really good, accurate way of describing that and made a lot of sense to me when I heard that. Well, there's something about longevity that makes, I mean, it just, it makes for a healthy culture. It's like, you can't fake your faith for 20 years. Yeah. It has to be real. It has to be authentic. And it's like, you can only get away with, and, and I, and I think it's, it does a disservice. Like my, my wife, Tracy's grandfather was a pastor in the United Methodist, or not the United Methodist, the free Methodist church. And they had a policy where they would move their pastors every like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Like they kept moving them around. And, you know, I guess that's nice because you never run out of sermons. You just keep repeating the same things you did before. Yeah. But I don't know. That just seems traumatic for the church, traumatic for the pastor. And it mm-hmm. means nothing's ever going to get past second base. You know, it's like, we got to, we got to stay in this relationship long enough in order to get beyond this. And so staying a long time has been important to me. And I honestly, I thought I would stay, I thought I'd finish out, you know, 15 more years at the church and I didn't, I didn't anticipate moving. So, but I, I've, but I do think, um, yeah, I think the timing's right. And I think the, the church is ready. And I think I, it, it makes a difference to stay. And I, I think people should stay. And I think there's too much disposable everything in our society. Mm. And like you scroll and you get bored with one thing and you move on to the next thing. And then yeah, I just think we need more long-term committed relationships. And, and it's been beautiful because uh, honestly, that's one of the hardest things about leaving here. Mm. I've been here for, it's not just 20 years at this church. Five years before that, the church I was planting, and ten years before that, yeah. you know, where I was a youth pastor in this community, like right, like twenty feet away, yeah, <laughs> at a church, right. right there. And I'm like, I, everybody I know, everybody I love, every place that I go, I've got like a thousand memories and a thousand. I don't know. It's just it's deep, deeply embedded, and it's been a rich, rich thing. It's one of the most beautiful things about being here and what I've been able to do. But it's also one of the great things Mm. about leaving is like, it's all new and I get to go on a new adventure and I'm like, I don't know anybody. I don't know the places I've never been there and it'll be fun. Well, smash cat to Todd. Hey, Hey, um, welcome to, um, the greater Nashville area. We've got an upstart church that just needs a temporary pastor. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There's a church right across the street from our house, actually, that Tracy and I are like, oh, that seems interesting. They've got this this kind of vibe on it. It's like story time church or story something. I'm like, like life story. I, I don't know what I don't story know what time the name church. is. Yeah, Sounds like it, it's for babies. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like that. But but it's kind of like a cool thing. Like, like uh, or really old uh, people. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah. I haven't been there yet, so I'm going to go try it out. I'm going to go walk across the street and see. That's great. But uh, Judge yeah. it harshly in the corner, arms folded. I mean, maybe. Mm. I, I don't know how I you... I could do this better. <laughs> that's the hard part about being a pastor. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you go and you watch and you're like, ah. Or, or somebody that plays in worship when you go to yeah. the churches, like, mm, it's tough not to <laughs> put the judgmental lens on. What... <laughs> I'm sure, well, today you woke up and you were no longer a pastor. 
Um, it probably didn't feel like it yet, though. And I wonder, I wonder. I, I, there's no way for you to answer this, but it'll be it'll be curious to check in with you at what at what point, like how long does it take for you to finally wake up and go, oh, no, I don't have to, I don't have to do any of those things anymore. Or is that already setting in? No, I, it's not at all setting in. I am still thinking about the church and what's happening next, and it still feels like my baby, and it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while to disentangle from that. Tracy was saying, it's like yesterday, I don't know, today, I was up this morning, like on my computer early, and she was texting with a friend and her friend, and it's one of our mutual friends who's like, Todd needs a brain break. He needs to stop being on the computer. Like, go do something in your body because you're always in your head. Mm. And that's true. I need to just live in my body. And that's why I'm my, you know, for this first season, I'm going to go build out this guest house at our property. And that's a great project. That's what I'm going to do for the next few months. Your because, beard's going to get so long. Uh, <laughs> it's I don't think it is because my wife won't kiss me if it's long. And I like, <laughs> yeah, I that's like a deal breaker. Person. That's good though, because sometimes the, that the physical action especially one like that where it, if it's dangerous and you're like cutting things or hammering things, it requires a hundred percent of your attention Yeah, and you can't get into your head because if you do, you'll lose a finger or you'll smash something or it'll, things will go South. So doing those kinds of like labor heavy tasks can really give your soul arrest almost. It's yeah. restored. It's a tangible progress too. Like as you're going, like you look back and like, Oh my gosh, I'm making progress. Well, and that's the thing that pastoral ministry is so hard. That's so hard about pastoral ministry. Cause it's like, it, you don't see the day to day progress. It's always like Sunday's coming. There's another Sunday. Like when Sunday's over, I'm starting to think about next Sunday. Cause I got a message to give, you know, it's like you have a major presentation, a research paper due in a week, and you're like, I got to get this done. The clock's ticking. And and then you have all the other stuff that's running the church and dealing with people's lives and their problems that's in the middle of it. So it just, that, and it's one of the reasons why I, it's been hard for me to really write. And I have so many ideas and so many books and things, and I'm like, I want to write, but I, I just don't have time because I'm, Sunday's coming and next Sunday I got to get next Sunday. And for most pastors, they end up figuring out a rhythm for that, where they turn their sermons into books because they write them out in full and they manuscript them and then they turn them into books and they pump them out. And it's awesome that they can do that. But I never manuscript things because I'm like, I just can't, it just feels forced. And so I end up just like going down to the last minute and then I just get up and just shoot from the hip and, Stay stuff, you know, like, and how many times have you ever just winged it? I, I, most of the time, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to some degree, I mean, all right, I win the pool. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, I, I don't, it's not like I wing it, but it's like, I'm not, it's not like I'm prepared. I mean, every time they go, Hey, we want your slides in by Thursday, and they want you to know what you're. We I'm supposed to have a meeting on Tuesday and tell them what I'm going to say on Sunday, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say on Sunday. I, I don't know. At, sorry, I don't have any slides Sunday morning. Okay, I got. Finally, we realized like, just let me run my own slides, then I can yeah. do them up until the moment I go on stage, and it <laughs> works out better. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but that's. I mean, it's not like you. Uh, 
you know, you've, as you've demonstrated here, we're just, we're having a conversation. Like as you and Scott are interacting, it's like, there's a depth of knowledge that as a baseline, you have a nice foundation of stuff to pull from. So well, uh, the well, winging it thing is not like if I were to go up on stage and wing it, it would be very different. N- no, <laughs> except that there is a version of that when we're playing worship, which is okay. Well, I've over 25 years I've realized that there's, uh, I, I now have a palette to draw from. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. So, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. Uh, don't, I, I don't did just, it on Easter yeah. morning. Don't just disagree with I winged it. I wung it. I wung you it. Wung it. I wung you it. winged it. You winged it. Well, you winged it. <laughs> you winged it. <laughs> <laughs> I winged it on Easter Sunday. Mountain View Church, come on down. San Juan Capistrano. Come see it. Todd's gone, and, but we're going to wing it. Totally regret this <laughs> We're literally winging it now. Well, that, that's what people ask me. They always say, well, how, how long do you prepare? Like, how long does it take you to prepare a sermon? I'm like, I don't know, 30 years. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's been in my head and I've been thinking about this stuff and mulling it over for a long time. And it's like, it's in there. It's just figuring out what to bring out. And the hard part about me is I have random access memory. I know that's actually a thing, but my memory is very random and I don't access it unless somebody asks the right questions. And Scott tends to trigger it and make me ask good questions. Wow, you guys <laughs> Thanks, are, Scott. You guys might. Oh, you're welcome. I might like you actually after all because you. Do you need help building out your you guest draw house? Out, no, no, I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could just park my RV. <laughs> you know, Todd, you need oh to put the God. baseboard in Free just labor. like this. This is all wrong. We no, I don't know how to do that. So I'll be learning from Todd. <laughs> Whatever. That's great. Yeah. How do baseboard, like what's the metaphor <laughs> connecting baseboard insulation to the gospel? <laughs> I do love that. Yeah. You and uh, Todd have got a little, um, little love fest going on compared to before. Is this a spark of a bromance? It might be. Man. It might be. This is the start of a he had to wait until You had to wait until he left, until he was exactly. done. Exactly. I wasn't going to say in front of him. Dude, we, we are such good podcasters. Everyone here, except for Scott, has left quickly to go to the bathroom and come back. And it is seamless. And I, 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 th- I dare say. Yeah. I broke the seal and that now I'm, yeah, I'm in trouble. Mm. Oh, so now you're going for round two pretty soon. Well, yeah. uh, Scott, do you need anything? Come empty. The the uh, is there another bunny chainsaw? There is. Ooh. Do you want the whole thing? No, it, no, it's no, double. No, just uh, I can split it and Todd, a splash. Todd might have a little splash too. Just have a splash. I do want. I do want a little taster. Just okay. because. Uh, just a little taste. We can make that happen. Just mm. a little taste of a tiny bunny. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm gl- Here, give some to Todd. I, I was thinking We're about Todd being Todd. on today, and I was like, okay, there's some yeah. joke. Like, I want. I do want to mention the the whole. You know, me being not allowed at, to go to Mountain View. So I was like thinking, like, how am I going to work that in? I was thinking, okay, you know, what what's Todd going to say that's going to trigger me, and how am oh, I going to yeah. handle that? And and to my surprise and delight. Those were brought up without me having to bring them up, so I'm, I'm, I'm. That's that's been pretty cool. Do you feel triggered? Well, I always feel triggered, but I, I at least Todd hasn't <laughs> said, uh, you know, before he comes back that we're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone in my mouth, you know, I just can't let it go. Hey, oh, hey, Todd, oh, You're hey, welcome back. Oh, hey, hey, thanks, I'm back. Oh. <laughs> we poured a little more <laughs> rabbit beer in there. But there is, it's Thank a good you. example of what happened earlier. Like we, we, we like atonement wise or what the gospel means is different. Like 
interpretation that's different. We don't need to go back back to that. Right. But we just existed. Like people have been killed over shit like that in the past, mm-hmm. and we're still in the same room. And we're gonna go for a few more minutes. So no, I mean they used to like the people that were like really reformed would drown Baptists back in the the Reformation. Like they would literally say, okay, you think you need to be baptized again? Yeah. I'm going to show you what that is. Congratulations. I'm going to hold you under the water until you drown. You want to be baptized again? All right. (laughs) We're going to waterboard you. Yeah. And Tiber or something. I don't know. You're too excited about that. No, it's crazy stuff that (laughs) brothers in Christ do to each other. Yeah. And in the name of truth that, I wanted to correct you, so say brothers and sisters, but it's, let's be honest. No, it was it's, not. It's there was dudes. no sisters. That's <laughs> why dudes. I said brothers. Yeah, because yeah, it was all brothers. <laughs> and was it white? And, and sisters don't tend to kill anybody, so that's no, why I think women need to be more. And by the way, I just want to make a you know uh, a statement because I mentioned that I didn't believe in women in ministry back then, and I have since changed my position. I've changed my position on a lot of things, but that's one where I've strongly mm. changed my position, which is why. Zach's wife is one of our elders in our church, and uh, yeah, you know, and our the chair first. of our church is Juliana Wakeling, and uh, so hi, we Lisa, have, Juliana. We have we have women in strong positions of leadership, and they are very capable and actually better than us guys in a lot of ways. Some might say they're kicking ass. They're really some doing might. well. Some might. Some okay, might say that. To piggyback on that, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to know. Uh, you're a pastor. You're not a pastor now, so I guess it doesn't really even matter. What is one thing that that you believe that you think most people would think is crazy? And it could be theological. It doesn't have to be theological. You can just pick this. You'd be like, "This is." I don't say this to a lot of people. Most people would probably think this is crazy. I think we should go around the room after Todd goes. That yeah, that's kind of. Hmm. Well, yeah. why don't we start with you, Scott? Because that'll give me some time. Because I'm not <laughs> really <laughs> sure how to say it. I'll answer that one. I'll go. I can't remember. I'll, 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 so, well, it, yeah, theologically. Uh, and or, I, or anything. It, yeah. Well, I was trying to think of non-theological stuff, but it's... I don't really know if I... Contrails. <laughs> or chemtrails, either we way. We had else. one of those. Uh, contrails are real. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I can't think of anything non-theological right now. Um, although I, I, so give us a theological, I, one. I kind of hope the earth is flat, but I don't think the earth is flat, but I hope it is. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's you a, hope it is. Why? Why? Cause I, I just think it'd be very funny for like the whole <laughs> scientific, hey man, the modern me. scientific community, like with uh, all the stuff, uh, and Ky- then, Kyrie was right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wow. Uh, I just, uh, it would be very funny and ironic. Jay-Z has totally. Wait, you don't, you don't <laughs> got believe this plot that. That's to make everybody think the earth is round. <laughs> yeah. You just think that would be funny. Yeah. I just, I, you don't believe that though. No, I don't. No, okay. no. But it's like, God's like, it's in the Bible, the disc of the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The foundations. That means it has to be held up. It's yeah. suspended. <laughs> the pillars. Uh, but the theological uh, thing I, that probably would, make evangelicals upset uh so okay it's two things real quick i'm kind of looking at the the whole grace thing and then i i don't want to say too much but we might need to rethink grace by faith what that actually means in in the relationship to works 
Um, so that could that could get me fired from whatever I'm doing. Ooh, is this but, new? This is new for you. Well, I've been thinking about it for a little bit, like a couple years. Um, but not so it is but, relatively new, like compared yeah. to five, six years ago podcast, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, where you gave Zach, the ca- you gave the category, but he's some, reflecting for goodness sake. Put it I into mean, a sentence like mountains moved. That that um what would be the statement? So, okay, yeah. So like a statement. Um uh uh is faith faith so I, it would it would come back to the definition of faith. It does faith mean not works. Does faith exist without works? Would that be Say, essentially like yeah, we just if we're just to quote James, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wh- why why do we separate so much works from gr- from faith? When even outside of James, there are a lot of examples of some element of because <laughs> we're got to be careful. It seems to be some element of works, and it doesn't have to necessarily mean works of the law or works of the entire law. But okay, Scott, do you want me to answer that for you? you go ahead. Yes, but people who are filled with the Spirit mm-hmm. do works without even thinking about it because they're filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit yeah. right now. And those that are doing works and are constantly thinking Better about works, works and what they need to do mm-hmm. are not being filled with the Spirit. So, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? You're full of. The, the life that Jesus gave. What, us. How do you do? What does that mean? I don't. That's my question. No, like that, that, that's the. Found, that's like kind of the the grounding of my question is, what do these phrases mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? You'll just what be generous without thinking about so it. So that's a work. Yeah, but you won't. But I, because you're filled with the Spirit, you're not thinking about it. No, whether you're thinking about it or not, it's still. It's like it, the right you, hand, the left hand. I think how, how you just define being filled with the Spirit tantamounts to a, a work. The, the being filled with the Spirit is but made up people of people that works. go out of their way to how do you just works. Define. Put and your gloves they, on, specifically man. Specifically, because well, it says in I so to be like morally good and ethically right, and mm-hmm. I need to do X, Y, and Z in order to. Uh, have salvation or right. So before getting to any um, like like number of works or anything like that, it's just just like that kind of basic. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to be obedient to God? the The answer to those questions would it would seem to me is the definition of faith. But you can in those definitions, works are involved. So, what degree to to what degree do works play into faith? I really hope I said that okay. <laughs> logically, Scott. Yeah. Scott, Scott. Though I yep. appreciate the fact you are thinking outside of the Scott box in your own way. You know, this is a, a little bit new, relatively, and. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yep. I, so, I think yeah. in the interest of time, like we're yeah. yeah. We'll the Scott going. box is expanding. It's not out of the Scott box. It's the, getting bigger. The box for sure. <laughs> expanding. His, oh, okay. Yeah. His, I appreciate that. Bigger box. Get a yeah. bigger box. Get you got a bigger, bigger box. box. Good job. More books. Scott. More books. I like it. I got some books you can borrow if you want to borrow. <sighs> Man, Put them in your box. To get rid of books. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> Greek bedag. My power. Mm, yeah. 
All right. Driver. Who else? Who else has a, has one? Andy. What was the question? Can you rephrase it for me? <laughs> oh, what's something? What's something that you believe that you think other people would think is kind of a crazy thing? Oh, that's easy for me currently. And again, this is held loosely. Caveats. Uh, but uh, most people have this idea of heaven and hell, and it's it's a separate separate thing. And um, I think the thought experiment of heaven and hell being the same, but how you experience um, how you experience eternity, let's just say, uh, depends on your perspective in relation to the unrefined or the the pure love of God. And so for some people, it's going to be, as, as Paul said, it's going to be a burning off or whatever paraphrase of like, you know, everyone's refined by fire and some, some are scathed more than others. I'm butchering that. You guys can correct me. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But, and I know he wasn't talking about that concept for sure, but, um, that, uh, I, I am a, a very hopeful if I am a Christian, I'm a hopeful Christian universalist because I'm I'm pretty agnostic about things. I'm utterly convinced in the nature of agape love, uh, changing the world and saving the world. And so, in that way, and that's who I believe God is. So, in I'm, one sentence, I, I think boil I'm still it down. orthodoxy. Oh, everyone goes to heaven. Everyone's <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and hell. Hell. all dogs go to heaven. And hell. <laughs> What's that? And hell. Everyone goes to hell too. Well, it's the same place. So it's how, it's how you, pers it's your perspective uh, to, in relation could, to the pure love. Can of God. I, so it, I'm trying to understand. This so is, I understand. I totally get it's it. It's like for some people being on this podcast is heaven and for others, yeah. it's yeah. hell. It's yes. their worst nightmare. No, so let's go around and, and, and so Todd, For Todd, it's yeah. both depending yeah. on the moment in the podcast. <laughs> whoever's taught, whoever's, <laughs> depending whoever's on his triggering him at to, the, yes, yeah. that's good. So um, whatever, whatever anyone experiences it could be heaven or hell for them in this life or in the afterlife. Yeah. Well, this by life faith. is easy. We, yes, by faith in this life, it's easy. Like we create hell all the time and we're good at that as humans. And we also create heaven or have the ability to bring a little taste of heaven on earth. Um, but in terms of eternity, most people think, Oh, go to heaven when you die or you go to hell when you die. Or, you know, if you have some sort of belief in God, if you're an atheist, I can't speak to that, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm fairly universalistic in my thinking, and that doesn't mean that sin doesn't have its own consequences. Hence, heaven and hell. You're going to be around people that, um, that you All wouldn't right. expect to see. Yeah, so I think it was a good answer because most people would hear that and think, "Wow, that is not anything ever for all time." Yeah, and it's and it might not be, and I'm okay with or that. the conflation of. This life or the in the afterlife. It might not right. be, but I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you that you've listened to me for all these years and somebody picking up what I'm putting down. So <laughs> I'm not saying that I agree with your statement because I'm too close to being the pastor of a church to actually oh, okay. say that I agree with you. But I, 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 I definitely it. like I what, like where you're going with that. I get it. I like it. Yeah, Because C.S. Lewis we... said basically the same thing. So just so you know, you're in good company. Okay. Actually, I didn't know that. Well, Actually, I might have. Was it's he probably in there somewhere? Well, so yeah. Again, the conflation of heaven of afterlife and this life. But yeah. we'll do that okay. in another yeah. podcast. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, we'll solve I, hell later. I don't think that <laughs> Tupac, Biggie, Chris Farley, or Phil Hartman are it. dead. I don't think any of yes. them are dead. I think they're all. I think they're all alive and they're all living. Are they with Elvis? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about Elvis, but I'm what gonna, about JFK? I'm JFK Junior. JFK and G JFK Junior. I'm going to put those yeah. four together on an island somewhere, and I, yeah, I don't think they're dead. No, I think they didn't know how to get out. They needed a way out. They needed and they a way out. They just 
that's what it comes down to when you're in that spot. And I, I have a little bit of compassion for that. Yeah. You could feel it. <laughs> Elvis. I, I would have, I, I didn't sh- fake I my death. I would have yeah. pretend my, shot you. Uh, uh, my, yeah, I can't say this out loud. And oh, come <laughs> on. That's all, right. all right. Well, my wife's father did. He did fake his death for a couple of years, but no, you might need to cut that out of the podcast. Cause I don't know. <laughs> okay. He's, he's well, still living. And, that is I had awesome. Lunch with him a couple of days ago. So, oh yes. my that's God! <laughs> Allegedly, Allegedly. <laughs> that is awesome, man. He but made, he won't listen to this podcast, so we, I think you're all right. Everyone wishes they had the balls to do something like <laughs> oh that. Oh my God, dude! You had lunch with a ghost. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Oh my! Yeah, we got we got stories. That to is tell. fantastic. All right, who's next? Uh, Jeff's up. He's the last one. Something crazy that you believe that you, or something that you believe that you think other people Wait, would do say Todd? is crazy. Yeah. No, no they haven't got to me yet. He needs, he I, needs I, more I'm, time. I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. Because I have a lot of things. <laughs> I just <laughs> narrow it down. I don't want to use one of the ones that you all use. <laughs> you're sifting through them. <laughs> well, Scott and I have argued this, that about, you know, you need to follow the Bible. And I'm like, I'm following the spirit. Ah, okay. And I think there are, many that would say, well, you need to know the Bible. And I'll say, well, the, the Bible is, it's on my heart. It's in the spirit, in how we live. And, and you and, don't and care love. that much. And most Christians, <laughs> wait, what no, do you no. mean? <laughs> I, no, no, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Don't care about the Bible? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, just that you don't care to like tangibly. learn it and know it. Yeah. You just like, cause you're like, I got the spirit. That's better. And most Christians would be like, dude, you got to at least pick it up a couple times. And it's a good answer to Andy's question. <laughs> and that most and Christians yes. would be like, what are you talking right. about, Jeff? So Just the that's, I think that is something where people would disagree. And that's not this, to say that I don't or have not read a, a couple verses <laughs> from John. Uh, I'm joking, but that is something that I, I it's more of affirming like oh you know hey that's kind of something that's happened in my life or oh yeah i you know my marriage went south when i you know did x y or z i mean that's it's all i mean there's biblical things that happen and that's just that's just the spirit and that's kind of how i've lived for 11 years and it's been fantastic and people would be like you can't do that I love, def- I, I love that about you, Jeff, because you actually like, uh, like I think so many people, it, it's so much easier to get hung up on like, I have to know the Bible, the Bible's the thing, the Bible, but there's so many people that know the Bible, or, like theoretically know the Bible and don't know the spirit. It's like Jesus said, you know, you search the scriptures to yeah. find, you know, the truth, but like, here I am and me, you miss yeah. me. Life and that's the thing. If God's in you, he will actually lead you. The spirit will lead you into all truth. Jesus said, and in the Bible, he said that. And, uh, Jeff doesn't know. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. He actually said it. There's a verse. I don't know the the address, but somewhere in the latter part of John, but yes. Now, no, wait a second. No, no, no. I said what I said. Now we're on the, now we're on the God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, just, I guess just briefly, it, it might be a misnomer that you're just relying on the spirit. Uh, because, Admit you it. So you want to make sure that so, people no, know that I have opened the Bible. No, that's your objective no, I, for speaking. No, right I now. believe you that you've only read a couple of verses. It, that's that's apparent. Very loud. Uh, but uh, you you're a self you're a self admitted McCarthyist, 
Um, plus, you've sat under Todd's teaching M- for- McCarthyist? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, McCarthyism. John John uh, McCarthyism? John McCarthy. Oh, MacArthur? Oh, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Hey, McCarthyism. Oh, it's kind of like McCarthyism. <laughs> yeah. Todd. Wow. Grace to you. He, he's self-admitted? Wow. And he still goes yeah. to my church. I can't believe that. No, there's- I'm Glad there's he's not a, an elder anymore. There's a funny thing where- where uh, <laughs> Where, where Jeff Jeff was talking about... I don't know what's going on. It's not my this, church anymore. Yeah. So, uh, the Jeff, Spirit Jeff was, is telling me, run, Jeff, run Jeff was talking room. about uh, how he listens to this podcast. It's called Grace to You. And then one of us was like, oh yeah, John MacArthur. And, John, and Jeff's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know who John MacArthur is. We're like, Jeff, dude, you've been listening to Grace to You for how many years? That's John MacArthur. And he but, called... He literally, no, he... He literally called him John McCarthy. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's actually yeah. really good. And my, that's, that's my addendum, that's I think it should be, the, the show should be called Grace to You, except for you, not you, not you, not you. Except, if, if you're chosen, you. if you're elect. Oh. But not you. Uh, but no, but, but uh, maybe you. But I, you, you have, you've been exposed to the principles of, sure. of, of the Bible through what you've listened to through Todd's messages, hope, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and right. also as a, as right. a, as also as a, a, well, growing up in a, a family that went to Catholic church and going to, uh, CCD once yeah, a week, whatever, whatever that was. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's been exposure. Right. So it's not just like, I, I just, I, I would encourage you to not think whatever pops in my head, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the extreme that some people fall into. And hey, Scott, it's good to have doubts. Yeah, you can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue with that. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna break that. We got we'll break it. Right. Ties with you. It's odd. I see what you guys right. are doing. You guys are like the Wesleyan quadrilateral. You're like <laughs> yeah. like uh, tradition, yeah. scripture, reason, yeah. and experience yeah. all in the room. I like having it. a conversation. That's right. Oh! Uh, it's only yeah, taken. Yeah. How long has the podcast been going? Wow, 188 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Well, I've only yeah. listened to like seven, seven, seven of them. But well, it's welcome all right. to the first episode of the Wesleyan Quadrilateral, <laughs> yeah. featuring Jeff yeah. Scott. <laughs> We're not getting as many listeners. It's weird. Wait, did we get? Did you go already? Yeah. Yes, I did. Dang, he thanks did. for listening. It's my turn. Biggie right. Tupac. So shut your trap. I yeah. <laughs> was going to say pie hole. <laughs> I I was, but he cleaned I, it up. I didn't. Uh, you know, I think all of the, you know, there, there's a lot of people asking questions about the end of the world. And um, the, you know, when you look at Russia and Putin and you look at. Thank you for using the T. Yes, the I, I wanted tea. to put it in there because it sounds a little, yes. Anyway, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I and, and the pandemics and the changes in the global warming and the things that are happening in the world. And I'm like, there's a lot of people saying it's the end of the world. There's all the stuff that's in the Bible. And I don't know if it's the end of the world, but I guarantee you it's not in the Bible because the Bible says nothing about any of this stuff. Mm. Uh, Everything the Bible is talking about happened in the first century. It was all what Jesus was talking about. And it's a lot of the reason that people conflate they just they just get into this sensationalism because fear sells, and so people are all about that. And so many things that Jesus said about the end of the world and about hell were all about the first century, and they happened in the first century. And you need to go back and read your Bible again 
And, and just imagine what the original readers would have been thinking. They're not thinking, like, yeah, just oh, think to yourself. Someday people will figure this out. Yeah, they didn't think, oh, can I write this thing to people in the 21st century so that they can know when the end of the world is going to be? No. Jesus was warning the people that he was talking to about things that were happening in their time. And then people keep conflating it with stuff that's happening in our time because the world keeps repeating itself. We keep doing the same stupid mistakes over and over again. And of course, there's wars and evil people and ridiculousness that happens in the world and it happens in cycles again and again. And I get really frustrated when people pin it on the Bible and make it as if it's the end of the world. So please. And it might be a self. It It might be, it might be the end of the world. Well, no, but I was going to say it might be, we could make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. We have the ability to destroy the world. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. We could, we we can, we can make it the end of the world. We can make it Armageddon. I could be wrong, but it sounds like you're disagreeing with Pat Robertson. That's weird. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. And, and it's a, yeah. So do you think Rome was destroyed in the first century? Um, I feel like well, Scott's I mean, laying a pre- trap. I am. We have some land to play now. Depending on your, depending on who the beast is and and whatnot. Oh, uh, oh yeah. But yeah, but yeah. So I mean, that's that's just the simple question that comes. Anyway, to mind. I don't. Yeah. That, that the question yeah. was what what do people think that they'll think I'm crazy and yeah. They think I'm crazy because of that. You do. I know now, but it's all right. Yeah, crazy. I or think not you're crazy. crazy too. I I like you. Yeah. A, a little bit, even though you're crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and and I agree with you, Scott, in the sense that there, I, I believe that you could apply the beast label to a lot of things. You could apply Babylon to a but lot. But who of was things. it applied to in the first century? That's my question. And, okay. The empire that was ruling the world at the time, <laughs> which like, is it Rome, would, it would be applied to the United States right now. Well, no, but Rome, yeah. it was applied to Rome in the first century. So if it's applied to Rome in the first century, was Rome destroyed in the first century? That yes. seems to be. A, it was. I mean, in the third century, probably, but not the first century. I mean, like what? Well, but it wasn't. It wasn't talking about the beast being destroyed in the first century because it was talking about Jerusalem being destroyed and the whole, you know, temple system and the but the false beasts, prophet and the beast and all of that but BS the, of the religion and politics. But the beast of the but the beast, killing God, which but, is religion and politics, killed God and then God but flipped the, it on its head the be- and killed them. The beast of Revelation. But he loves them and he's really well. Nice. But yeah, right. But the beast. The be- <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Hence why right. I'm still crazy. Right, right. But no, but 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 yeah, just the beast of Revelation is that Rome or Jerusalem? I, I so know. regret this whole conversation. <laughs> it's 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 I it, it whether it is or not, it's not anybody that's alive today. All right, I mean, but there are lots of beasts, so there are. Do you, but have, one more, hey, do you have one more crazy thing that you don't believe in? <laughs> All right, well, Scott. I don't believe right. in the Easter Bunny. Okay, there we go. Oh, that is not Whoa. that crazy. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, do we have? Uh, I guess we got a couple minutes to do a consumption. Very quick. Yes, very, let's very do consumption. Quick. What are you? Okay, so Todd, we do this sometimes. What are you consuming? Which is like either a book, movie, TV show, music, anything that's got your attention. It doesn't have to be deep. It could be fun and. It'll be obvious whimsical. when we do a couple of these. Yeah, Scott, do you have whimsical? one? I got to think for a second. Um, no, I'm just I'm just going with the fear porn man. The end of the end of the world, not necessarily tied to eschatology. But don't Google not, not, fear porn. Not not <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that. No, um, not, not not the end of the world, but just maybe maybe a change in um, uh, economies or uh, reserve status, and not. I mean, to Todd's point, not. Tied to eschatology necessarily, um, it just some. This is just something that happens in world history, uh, going back to the first century to to uh, Rome and um, empires after that. That 
things change hands and the way that we experience things isn't necessarily the way that we're always going to experience them. It could happen in our lifetime. We're not exempt. We're not special. Americans are not special. We can, we, we're used to having food at the grocery store. That There may be a time when wait, that's wait, wait, not how many the case. Pounds of food? Right. Scott, how many pounds of food do you have right now stored up? I don't know the pounds, months. but I think, I have, I think I, I've got eight, nine months, nice. roughly. That's and if you care about your family, if you love them, you should have actually no more than you have now. Hey, if whatever you, that if number you is. Following Jesus, you'll open that door when we come on over and be like, "Hey, we need like two months yeah, of food." Yeah. So, so somebody has to Each have the day food. Has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> exactly. so, somebody, somebody has. Don't fear, but you know. <laughs> I thought that was a drop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It will be. It will be. It will be a new one. Some, somebody has to have the food in order okay. to hey, bless right, people in those good. situations. We're landing go the plane. My, don't I'll call go for me. You go, Andy. I'll go very quickly. Uh, I dove back into uh, community. On Netflix, Community is one of the best sitcoms. We've been doing that with the kids. That has ever been written, and it's so funny. And your son was over, and we were all watching it together and all laughing so hard. We were, like, crying. Nice. Community's great. Nice. Well, I, I, I watched, I don't think I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again if I did, The Adam Project on Netflix with Ryan Reynolds. It's time. It's got time travel. Uh, and like interesting father-son dynamics mixed with younger son and older version of himself at the same time that plays, it touches all the nostalgia feels for me, uh, mix in with like some of the questions of like, what would you do if you could tell your kid? And does that even matter? Because your kid has to go through life or your son, not your son, but your younger self would have to go through life anyway to learn and become who you are. And so it's it's a really smart movie, and it's fun and funny, and uh, yeah. it's uh, better better than most like Netflix originals. I now, are it. they going to listen? I think that's what Todd right. right. You can't you can't learn <laughs> yeah. without doing it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm consuming the Bible. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm not that microphone just now. Good Sorry. Lord, I'm not poking fun. The Holy Spirit, uh, the coddling of the American mind. I got it. The Coddling of the American Mind. Oh, it's a great book. Um, yeah. I started to read it. And, uh, That's Jonathan Haidt too, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, Greg Lukianoff, I think. Yeah. And it's intriguing. So more to come. Doctor John. It's great. We're reading it slowly with the kids and hopefully get, it, get, get through it before they're all in college. Are you serious? Yeah. Because I think it's God, so important. God, you're amazing. That's well, good. it's going very slowly because right. it's boring. The for fact a kid. that you're sitting down with your kids and doing that makes me feel like a failure as a father. It, it mostly doesn't work, Jeff. So fear not. Like I, you're I still a horrible suck at it. father to do that to your kids. That's great, Todd. What are you consuming? Yeah, read him, Jonathan Edwards. I instead. been. I read a book called Published, and uh, I've been following self-publishing school by this guy oh, wow. named uh, Chandler somebody or other. I should probably remember his last name. Right? That's cool, though. It's hard to. Keep you're getting ready to write some I'm, books. I'm, I'm, Planning to write some books, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to try to find a publisher or self-publish or what I'm doing, but I, yeah, I'm trying to learn. So go talk. To, we know I'm a we know, guy. We know a guy. Okay, I'll talk to your guy. Who will at least just uh, talk you through some. I love talking to guys. Whatever things. the guy and is, he's a great that's got guy. The thing he's the I best got of the all the guy guys. That's got the thing. Let's talk. <laughs> all nice. Right. Okay. Hey, well, I'm so glad before you you uh, left town. Like we got you in person, and and real quick, I did want to say. On on the Sunday services or the Sunday before, Palm Sunday, people were sharing. And Lisa's like, you got to go up. And I knew I had to go up, but I, I just couldn't go Regret. up. Regret. To, to say 
anything. And I think it's better that I waited oh, uh, because I probably would have, I might have pissed myself a little bit. I'm mm. terrible at speaking in front of people, which is why I started a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But having the Mountain View community for all these years, been going for 18 plus years, and you've seen us bring life into the world. You've you've been with us as we buried our son and um, navigated. I mean, you've helped me indirectly just absorb things and navigate my own faith changes in a way that uh, probably would have been less healthy had we not been at Mountain View. Um, so Lisa and I and the girls, but especially Lisa and I, we just really appreciate the things, the time you've given uh, to Mountain View. And uh, it was just fostering that community. You were a big part of the community that is and has become and will continue to be Mountain View. There's a legacy there. And it, Listener, if you don't have community, it doesn't have to be a church if church is not for you. But if you can find community, like I don't know what we would have done through some of the most difficult times in our, in our life. And I just appreciate that you walked us through that. And uh, thank you. And I'm looking forward to what's next. We'll have you on again when you got something to promote or if you've got some passion to talk about. But I'm going to stop there before I start crying. So thank you. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Thank you. I I love you and I love your family. And I it's a pleasure to get to be your pastor as hard as all of this stuff is and lots of it. Yeah. There's so much that's rich and I would have never, I can't imagine my life any other way up until this point. So thank you. It's been beautiful. Awesome. You're welcome, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. No, that was a beautiful moment. I I probably ruined it. Well, listener, thank you very much for (laughs) tuning in. Thanks for sticking out all all the way to the end. And if you want to get in touch with us on all the socials, it's at bros, Bibles, beer. You could email us bros, Bibles, beer at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail anchor.fm slash bbb pod scott's still single he's still scott single at bro, scott at dot com. yeah and he's got plenty of stuff saved up if you need food yeah <laughs> yeah that's a selling point it's a selling point thank you todd are uh, you a hungry lady interested, yeah. in, <laughs> interested in theology <laughs> do you want to know about the deeper things yeah. of god and also are you partial to rice are you are you in, <laughs> are you in fear of the end of the world well let scott comfort you in his arms and bags of rice and beef hey zach grace peace cheers grace peace cheers Love you guys. Are you a hungry lady interested in, <laughs> interested in theology? Do you want to know about the deeper things yeah. of God? And also, are you partial to rice? Are you? Are you? In-